Hi, I'm Brad Durf, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable, but I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now, is that on so many pages, <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then, I mean, it, it's it's almost inevitable that, uh, you know, half the time we're going to go, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, but that's... <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast, and now, here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Grizzly Adler, and I'm joined by... Matt Chan. Professor Wagstaff. Good to be with you again, friends. Uh, Hanging out here in Muncie, Indiana. These two dudes went to the Savages Ale House without me, Mm -hmm. Mm because they don't like me no more. Uh, yeah, so that's, Here we how, are. that's how it's going down now. It's going to be an awkward episode. <laughs> what if I just kept bringing that up? I'm like, you remember when you went to dinner without me? Yeah, no, that was savory. Probably like the sandwich you had that I didn't get to join. Yeah, yeah, pretty nice, huh? Pretty nice. Uh, yeah. So, friends, we are bringing you another episode of the Monster Mash, which we've decided to quit numbering. And, uh, except for Professor, who will number them for order purposes. Yes. Uh, but, uh, hey. We have just realized that uh, our listens are going up quite a bit, uh, getting some downloads and people checking out the show. So we really appreciate all you new listeners. Welcome. Welcome. And uh, be sure and tell all your friends. Yeah. What a a treat. Just what a treat. Just what a treat. We'll get more NPR if you guys get more listens for us out there. (laughs) So, um, Mad Chain looks very confused right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get way more NPR. (laughs) <laughs> I got I got NPR falling out of my pockets. Yeah, son, got that NPR. <laughs> <laughs> I like them on Doogie. That's All right, what we call a roadblock. <laughs> now, how do we get around it? We're at an impasse here. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's go around and say what we picked and why. I will start out. I picked Chud, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, and uh, I picked it because it's nuts and I like it. Mm-hmm. Right on. So, that's him. I picked uh, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. What possessed you to do that? I've never seen it. Okay, so cool. I wanted to see it. Okay. I picked Fade to Black, an early 80s uh, film. has a cult following. And uh, as usual, I just you know try and pick out some things that I want to see that I think uh, fans might like that aren't necessarily the, the ones you'll hear all the people talk about all the time. So. So we, we weren't watching Fade to Black, the Metallica documentary? Oh, man, this episode just got more awkward. That's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mad Chan, where are we starting at here? Uh, let's start with the Chud, the Cannibalistic human Humanoid Underground Dwellers, uh, 1984, starring um, a young Daniel Stern and a young John Hurd. And for any of you that know who those two gentlemen are, 
we will see them a couple years later in a movie called I like to call Home Alone, mm-hmm. starring mm-hmm. that kid with the face and the, the hands and. Somebody had to sell their soul ah. to Satan to get the grosses up on that piece of shit. But, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Also, Christopher Curry, Kim Geist, or Geist, and a young Patricia Richardson. You may know her as the mother from uh, Home Improvement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. Didn't, she's the ad woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah. I, I barely caught that. Yeah. Very so, cool. Uh, and don't forget a little cameo. Oh yeah, <laughs> by John Goodman. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> yeah, I like nobody. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not really a cameo. Well, yeah, I know. I wasn't correcting you. It's just yeah. No, that's cool, man. Just set me straight. Go to dinner. God damn me. this! This is so awkward. <laughs> man, I want to go to a bar and have a cheeseburger and a coke. <laughs> so, uh, Chud. Yeah. Uh, initial thoughts. Go ahead. Me? Yeah. Uh, I had seen this before. So so it was a rewatch. So you, you had. Yep. Yeah. I had seen this before. So it was a rewatch for me. I enjoyed it originally when I saw it. And nothing changed from that. It's it doesn't set my world on fire. It's just a fun one to have in your catalog. It's a popcorn movie. It's a good time. Totally. Totally. And, and I I will say if for nothing else, the thing that fascinates me the most about it is how the majority of the cast was relatively unknown and then went on to have legitimate careers that uh, that people knew right i mean from top to bottom yeah I mean, it's wild like almost every face you see in this you'll think i know that face and you go look them up and they're in all kinds of stuff you know but they weren't at that point and so uh, it's very common in that film it's kind of crazy i couldn't put my finger on it the cop that was a real jerk uh what's his name um he, oh. are you talking about the main guy no you're talking about the one that they're trying to out do or whatever the they one saying they're not gonna let him he i only know him because he's uh clark griswold's co-worker and yeah christmas vacation exactly right. i yep. was like oh, it's that guy he's also uh the have boss a... on king of queens to kevin james oh okay have a very merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah great great actor lineup it's crazy yeah it is crazy match it initial thoughts i didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> um i i didn't like it i gave it a shot i i'd never seen it before oh you never seen it before? no i'd never seen oh, shot before okay um this was actually i i'm sorry to say but this was a whole show of first for me man and uh i didn't like it it's and i don't i think it's because i didn't have any nostalgia to go back on i hadn't seen it before it wasn't going in going oh haha these things are whatever i just it was like oh cool yay there's a photographer and this lady and then this guy and he works underground and then these people and then there's government waste and then there's people to kill things, eat things, and it's a conspiracy. And that's whatever. Well, you just covered the whole uh, synopsis here, so I don't have to go through that. <laughs> I guess I'll just throw this Chud Nelson shirt I got him away. Yeah. I Shout too. out to Western Evil. Yeah. <laughs> no, but for real, man, it's, it just wasn't my cup I of tea. I didn't realize it was your first time. Uh, other people i can see why you'd like it i yeah this is just one of those weird movies that i love but i don't want to watch all the time right it's not a great movie no not by any stretch of the imagination no and i don't know how it got made (laughs) how how that cast got lined up because it's it's nuts well i think the most interesting thing about it is that everybody involved knew they weren't making a great film Mm -hmm. but everybody involved did absolutely the best they could do with whatever their role was because the monsters look pretty cool for a mm-hmm. low budget film yeah 
They look great and terrible at the same time. Yeah, but it's yeah. like for a low budget <laughs> film, they made those things look pretty rad. Yeah, like um, the yeah the mask is great. Yeah, but then it looks like they're just wearing dirty hoodies, like when their <laughs> arms move around. Right. Like, but yeah, no, no, the faces on them are fantastic. And you get you get some pretty emotionally invested performances mm -hmm. from people who know that they're making a movie called Chud. <laughs> I mean, so that's what was weird about it is like I don't know. If there's some kind of story to this, where at the core of it, whoever's project this was, was well-liked, and mm -hmm. everybody wanted to do a good job for him. But I think if nothing else to take from this film, it's that. Is yeah. Everybody is on point in right. a movie that they know is fairly shitty. Yeah, I mean, I like it. You know what I mean? But let's be honest. It's called Judd. Right. Um, and that that's what fascinated me the most about it. I, I love late 70s, early 80s New uh, York cop stuff. Yes. So that's a already a great backdrop for the film. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And something I didn't notice the first viewing was like how much effort is put in in these concentrated spots, either from the actors, the special effects, the way the film shot. But it's like at no point do they try and make illusions that they're making a top-tier serious film. Right. It's just, I don't know, it's a bizarre dynamic that usually doesn't happen mm -hmm. in those kind of films. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I guess we'll, let me just launch into the synopsis here. So, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a wonky synopsis. So you've got this photographer who's following a bag lady, uh, because he wants to get just the story of like the homeless, mm -hmm. right? That's kind of mm -hmm. what he's trying to do. But then you also have the main cop whose wife has gone missing. And then you tie in with Daniel Stern, who's a pot smoking pastor who runs a soup kitchen and some of his undergrounders have gone missing as well. And he's treated like a loony too. They right. think he's borderline schizophrenic. Paranoid. Right. And what's funny is then rewatching it again, uh, this is probably my third or fourth time watching it. He's not nearly as crazy as they make him out to be. Like no. he, he plays a relatively straightforward character. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I just feel like the first time I watched it, I was like, it was some zany guy, you know? And I'm like, he's not that zany. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I felt like for this viewing, which I think was my third on this is I think part of that is because they're trying to make him crazy. Right. I'm using quote air quotes here uh -huh. because as we learn later, there's some things he's uncovering. Right. So we treat him like the loony tune. Right. So nobody listens to him. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about this time around when I was watching, I was like, you know, for a guy that they're treating like he's just sh a shitbag nut, he's pretty calm. Right. It's pretty reasonable theories that he's throwing around. Yeah. Right. Um, so, long story short, folks, the movie's called Chud. And basically, I just told you about the main three storylines. Yeah. They all tie together. And surprise, surprise, they find these Chuds, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, living underground. And it's because of uh, government toxic waste. Yeah, the real meaning of Chud. Yeah. Is contamination hazard, hazard urban, urban disposal. disposal? Yeah, Stole my thunder. Uh. <laughs> Wrote it down for nothing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you guys were rehearsing uh. at dinner that you were going to say it at the same time. We were. Yeah, we didn't have a lot to say to each other. You were going to hit a harmony on it. <laughs> yeah, I just I just read an interesting factoid. In 2011, as an April Fool's Day joke, the Criterion Collection, the USA's most prestigious distributor of home video, announced it was releasing a special edition DVD and Blu-ray of the film Chud. As an April Fool's Day Aww. joke. Taking a stab, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've For seen it. I've Criterion gotta... Collection took a stab at the world by saying they were going to release Chud. Not cool, man. <laughs> Not cool. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the gist of the movie right there. And it, it just... It just devolves into madness in a good way. Yeah. Um, 
I love this movie because it's a good dirty New York movie. Mm-hmm. I love a good dirty New York movie yeah. back when. Because as I've said on the show before, I went to New York last summer for the first time. So I didn't go to New York pre-Disney World New York. Because New York is just a giant playground now. It's safe. It's fun. Uh, it's not scary at all. Mm-hmm. Like these movies had you believe. Now, I'm, there's, there are some sketchy parts still. Yeah. But right. not not nearly like the, it used to be. The first time I went to New York would have been around when this movie came out. About a year after, I think. Yeah. I mean, I went there when I was younger than that, but I don't remember it. Right. But I went numerous times up until I was 15. Yeah. That's definitely not what it used to be. Oh, yeah. So this is good old, dirty, pre-Rudy Giuliani New York. Yep. <laughs> you know? 42nd Street, baby. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing I love about it. I love all the actors. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of a long wait before you really get to see a Chet. That was the yeah. last note I had that I love that the first act is patient. Yeah. That we build up to the idea of something yeah. instead of exploiting it early on. You get a taste with those eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really a long wait. In a throwback Chet. manner. Yeah. With, especially with the eyes. You know, you give just enough, you know, to excite the the creature lovers. Right. Um, and then we wait on it and we build up different ideas and you kind of get people's imaginations running on what they're going to see yeah yeah that was impressive too another example of there's your screenwriter putting in the effort Mm -hmm. i mean everybody works way harder than you would expect for a movie called judd (laughs) right right man was there anything you did like about the movie no here's the thing man like um i gave it i gave it an unfair I give it an unfair poke, man. Like, I, it's got a lot of redeeming qualities to it. Like, listening to you guys talk about it, obviously I missed something. Well, somewhere. The, somewhere. Well, like, I, no, I, no, no, no. I, I mean, would, I'm not, I wouldn't run you down because I, I could think of a lot of people who wouldn't like this movie. Yeah, yeah. and the, that well, was just my that thing. You dislike it. It's just, yeah, it's just, it wasn't it. my, yeah, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. You know, like, I think from a movie that I'd heard so much about for years that just fell off my radar so many different times, mm-hmm. I was expecting, I think my expectations of this movie were so much more than what I actually saw. Yeah. I was expecting these awesome looking creatures and this this terrifying story that all these people had always <laughs> right. told me about i've got we've got friends we share friends who, who love this movie and i've heard nothing but things about this movie for years and i've just happened to never watch it so i think maybe i went into this with too high of expectations and when i saw like you said when it took that long to get going my i was like man i've got because I'm, I'm in a different situation right now in life. I was like, man, I've got other things I can be doing right, right. now than just right. plopping in a chair, waiting to see this cool monster mm-hmm. who, when it came out, I did. I was kind of, I kind of chuckled more than, you know, it wasn't like, oh, it was like, <laughs> really? That's what I've been waiting for. <laughs> but, but, you know, like it's, it does have a lot going for it. And I thought it was neat watching Daniel, watching a young Daniel Stern run around the sewers. And I thought some of the characters were neat. And, mm-hmm. I did like some of those aspects of it, but I mean, I, to me, like the, the photographer storyline and I just didn't get a lot of the relationships that were going on at first. And it took a while for me to catch on or care about people. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my thing about it. I mean, it's not a, I mean, I could totally see what, if you've never seen this movie and you hadn't heard anything about it, you know, mm-hmm. definitely, man, give it a watch. Cause they, it, it garnered a sequel. I mean, like yeah. Which somebody, Somebody loved it enough to make a sequel of it, man. So, yeah. I mean. Bud the chud. Bud the chud. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to take too much away from it, man. It's just, I don't think at 
my particular viewing of it. I think I was expecting more from it. So. Okay. That's fair, though. It has uh, quite the following. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Mantine, when you came in, you said you didn't have hardly any notes on the movie. I don't have many notes myself. It's just like... It's, it's kind not, of like... It's not rich in conversation No, no, points. no. It's not. It's, it's just like a movie you throw yourself into. Yeah. Uh, so... I'll just throw out some of my high spots. You can throw out some of yours, uh, Professor. Um, I love when she's having trouble in that shower. Yeah. And it just does that crazy blood spraying oh, out of yeah, the rain. That was great. I'll that, give you that. I like that. that was no, cool. I really did. I like that. Um, and I like when they decapitate the ched. Mm-hmm. And that glowing ooze comes out of its yeah. neck. That was she so does rad. that there in the apartment, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was really rad. And then... Um, <laughs> When the main bad guy from the government at the end is trying to run him down with that truck. Uh-huh. And all he does is drive the tire into a manhole and then the truck explodes. <laughs> yeah. And it's a huge dramatic explosion. And I was like, There's half your budget. I was like, Yes. <laughs> Literally, he just drives the tire into a manhole. Yeah. But something about that is enough to trigger something that's going to level half what, a city block. Yeah, it's like they release the gas, but does the friction of a tire. <laughs> Set, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so ridiculous. Um, I really, really like the scene we referenced earlier. It's always what I think of when I first think of the film, which is the, the sewer lid li- lifting yeah. up. We got the girl in the phone booth. Uh, it's actually gets kind of dark in the sense of, was it her grandfather or father that's with her? Yeah. But they got her Grandpa. at the police station and they're like treating her like she's lying. And it's, it's a, it's a, it teeters on difficult to watch for a fairly lighthearted movie. But it's a I, I love that scene though with the eyes and the you know you got the the lid lifting up it's great stuff I love um, the scene in particular with John Goodman in the diner how yeah. we show all of them at the windows in mm-hmm. quick shots all coming up there that's it's like if I'm younger that's legit scary oh yeah um, it's done fairly well and it has kind of uh, it's like a like a just a little microcosm of a Stephen King story where we've got everybody trapped in the spot and they oh, all get yeah. killed by whatever is shown up. Right. Um, that's a reach on my part, but it's the first thing that you know I thought of with that. But I like that we didn't spend too much time there either. We just jump around the city. We've got a feel for for the time, and so if for nothing else, I like watching it for when it was made, where it is set, and you know just how cool and ridiculous the creatures look. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I like any reason to watch Daniel Stern myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. So good. he makes it worth it alone for me. So if you folks have never seen Diner or City Slickers, y'all, y'all missing out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Voice Real of talk. Kevin Arnold. Oh, yeah, That's definitely. Right. Definitely. Um, I think the one thing for me was the I, I really did. I, I, I had watching the beginning, the chick walking the dog. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, man, this is it. This is my kind of flick, you know? And I think what one of the things that really started to get to me, like I said, I was trying to follow the relationships, but when they when they started coming out of, out of the sewer, and then we're just to naturally assume that they all went back down into the sewer. Mm-hmm. You see, like, because the one came up into the apartment building. That's a long way to come for one person. Mm-hmm. You, the boy was there who had the toys. and I mean, there was a lot going on in that apartment building. But he came specifically for her. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, for some, for, I don't know. And then those things came up and attacked the diner. And then we're to assume that they naturally went right back down. I think that was where I was just like, well, so they, they're really just killers. You know, they're not underground, you know. Right. There's right. nothing holding them there. I don't know, man. But I, like I said, I, I could totally see how this would be on a lot of people's radars. I just have no older nostalgic value for it. Mm-hmm. 
Right on. Well, I don't have much else to say about it. It is what it is. Yeah. It's fun. I would recommend it to anybody who likes uh, like Larry Cohen movies. It oh, fits right into the vein of that, right especially with like even with the geography. Yeah. Um, and all of his New York uh, based films like Q. Yeah. Uh, God oh, told like me to. Man, remember Q. Um, so from and, that angle, I would recommend it. And I'd say too, if you like a good dirty New York movie like Street Trash, right? This, this is, is actually be. less uncomfortable. Yeah, than Street is, Trash, but is, still has uh, some of those great elements. Yeah, this is a PG thirteen. PG thirteen of Street, <laughs> Street Trash. Trash. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So check it out for sure. Yes. All right. Moving right along, next up, Fade to Black, which every time I thought about the title, I just kept singing that song Black by Pearl Jam. <laughs> oh, fade to black. Not Metallica's Fade to Black. No, not Metallica's Fade <laughs> to Black. Uh, so, Matt Jam, what you got for Fade to Black? Fade to Black, 1980, written and directed by Vernon Zimmerman, starring a younger Dennis Christopher, um, Marilyn, played by Linda Carriage, uh, Officer Anne, played by Gwen uh, Gwen Gifford, Aunt Stella played by Eve Brent. This is the second movie of a young Mickey Rourke. And there is a cameo. Nope, nope, nope. Next movie. Sorry. Yep. No, I'm going to leave that. But um, that's what we got going right now, man. All we'll right. talk about that when it comes. Fade to black. Initial thoughts. You guys go first since I picked it. Um, I'll go since I crapped on the last movie. I love this movie. Like it had every element that I could possibly like in a movie wrapped up in one. It's a film buff, a horror film buff at that. He works for a studio. He wa- he knows everything about old movies and he loses his fucking mind. I love this. Like there's nothing about this movie that I didn't like, man. Like <laughs> I'm all about this, dude. Now, Matt I Chan. was so happy watching this movie. I cried <laughs> twice. I loved it. Now, Mad Chan, I want you to keep eye contact with me right now. Okay. Don't look to your right. I'm good. All right? Yeah. Tell me that if Professor Wagstaff became a killer, this movie God is, damn it. This I, movie is I, not I, about him. <laughs> Tell me this movie is about... This is a documentary about when Ooh. Professor finally snaps. Yeah, look. <laughs> I was referencing this movie with the wife, and I kept going. I just kept looking at her. I was like, I was like, doesn't he look like Wilson? Doesn't he look like him? Dude. He looks like Wilson. Look the at thing him. with these movies is even the, the stuff he's obsessed with is down to a T what I've already been I know. obsessed with. I started thinking about that. I was like, halfway through, I was like, man, am I nuts? I was like, shit. Was like, Anything that he was referencing that was not horror, I was like, I only know what that movie is because I lived with professor yeah it's just uh, I, I was thinking that that's perfect that's no there, there was two points in this movie that i was watching it and i was like this is such a movie that he would pick like and, and i'm not mad at that i mean it was it was so great and i was oh man like oh, go ahead but my initial fault is i loved it go ahead but i'm with you sorry if i made you choke on your beard no that's funny that's funny it was one of those things where i didn't want to be vain i like i had thought these things i was like man that too huh okay and i'm talking i was 25 minutes into the movie when i reached that conclusion yeah no that's it's a fair assumption because it's uncanny and i will say when i picked this movie i had not seen this movie in its entirety Mm -hmm. so i learned all of this in full for the first time to watching it for the show i had seen large portions of this film but i'd never watched it from start to finish so Real quick, uh, what's Rick's what's Rick's full name from Casablanca? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, Anyone? We've all worked with that guy. No, yeah, no. What is it? It's Rick Blaine. Rick Blaine. Blaine. B L A I N E. 
So, initial thoughts. I liked this movie. I thought it was fun. I'll probably never watch it again. Why not? Like, it's just, it's not, it doesn't have repeat value for me. Cool. But I, I'm glad I watched it, and I would recommend it to genre fans. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's fun, and I've got some good notes on it. But the, the, prior, the, the, the priority note was that this is a documentary. Yeah, I, I completely respect that. I mean, even down to stuff like, let's just go over this real quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we obviously love the old monster movies. This character does. Yes. That's me. Mm-hmm. I mean, for over 30 years now, I've always loved him. I've always loved James Cagney in yep. particular in his mm-hmm. gangster films. Um, we get into Hitchcock stuff. These were all the, these were all of the things that I was obsessed with back then. Now, I don't remember if I saw part of this on TV when I was younger, but I, I remember the connection of like, him liking older movies, but I didn't remember it being that specific. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. here's my quick review. Might surprise you a little bit. Now, I think that within picking this, I watched a gym. I, in terms of completely was better than I expected it to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, with that, I will say this is not a straight up horror movie. Right. This is a fringe horror movie. This has many things that relate to the horror community, which is why I have no problem and I'm glad we're covering it. But I feel like it is important to clarify that because even on the cover of this film, the name of it, this seems like a horror film, right? I mean, he's emulating Dracula, the mummy. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not a horror film. This is a troubled psychodrama, um, with some horror elements here and there. And I'm not trying to be the elitist. I hate it when people are real Mm -hmm. stuffy about what's horror. This isn't horror. This truly is not, just, I would never tell somebody like, yep, this is a horror movie. Now, I would recommend it to any horror fan who's oh, interested. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. For me, this is a, a Friday movie. It's something to get me in the mood for movies. So, right. from that aspect, I like it. I'll rewatch it. Um, but that is something I wanted to bring up early. I didn't even know how you guys would react before I even said that. If mm-hmm. we would show up, you guys were like, man, this wasn't a horror movie. You know what I mean? Right. But, like I say, it's... I think of it as like fringe or yeah. there's too many things crossing right. patterns no, I get it. that no, I, I don't feel yeah. bad about covering it. Right. See, I, uh, my, I already told you how much I enjoyed this movie, but that is one of my notes to me. The last third of this movie isn't horror at all. My opinion is when guns come out and chases start to happen, it becomes more of an action drama in, in mm-hmm. his life kind of yeah. movie. But I still feel that from the first, you know, from him snapping and the things going the way it did, everything that happened. No, the whole it's got that whole horror buildup, and I would, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd recommend this film to any genre fan yeah. because of the opening, because you get that kind of sense out of this movie. There's something right under. There's a Norman Bates esque thing happening in this movie right. besides that one scene. Yeah, was I the only one who felt like there was some kind of weird incestuous psychotype interaction going on with the ant? Because she gives him that money because he's like, let me get a loan at the regular interest rate. And she's like, you hurry home. I want I want my back rub. But it wasn't like I want my back rub. It's like, I want my back rub. Like, yeah. literally, and I don't know if that was meant to be there or not, but it just it felt like there was something below the surface that made him do what he did more than just the movie. Mm-hmm. More than just a, a, a switch flipping in his head. Right. I felt like there was another reason he did that. So. Mm-hmm. I felt like it had lots of layers to yeah. it. his character in particular. I, yeah. I love the early scene when he's sitting with her at the table and we go back to the footage of Cagney and Public yeah. Enemy with the yeah. grapefruit. Yes. I was going to ask you, because they keep referencing White Heat, but I was sure that that scene was from Public That's Enemy. That's from Public Enemy. Okay. And fun little tidbit on the side about that, the woman at the table with him is the one that sent me her autograph. She's the woman from Frankenstein, right. May Clark. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I, I love all the, I don't know if it was just because of the studio and they were just allowed to use the old footage, but it's so much fun getting to see the oh, actual dude, clip from the films yeah. pop up like that. So quick synopsis. Um, it's just this troubled guy who just life keeps shitting on him. He, uh, his mom died when he was young. He lives with his aunt. Right. Air quotes. Yeah. Who took him to raise after his mom died. And then she blames him because she lost the use of her legs. And so she just rides his ass the whole time he's home. He's, you know, just a melancholy kind of guy who loves watching movies and knowing trivia. He works at a studio. Everybody at the studio shits on him. But then he meets this girl. By the way, everybody doesn't shit on me. I stand up for myself in real life. That's true. So that documentary part right. isn't true. <laughs> that that part isn't true. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. Um, oh, and Mr. Wilson. He doesn't drive a, a Vespa. Just, he doesn't true. have a Vespa. Right. Keep guessing. Not That's yet. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so, so he meets this girl. And he likes her because she looks like Marilyn Monroe, he thinks. Not in real life. Oh, please. <laughs> There's two scenes in that movie where I was like, Jesus. Oh. So, um, and then so finally he snaps. Uh, he's um, uh, what movie is it when he finally kills his aunt? The movie's that plan. Somebody, a woman gets pushed down the stairs in a wheelchair. Yeah. And he snaps and he pushes his aunt down the stairs and right now. Yeah. And that's like his snapping moment. That's yeah. when he breaks. And that's when he starts stalking and killing people. And that's why I would give it a horror pass. Because right. of the numerous people he stalks and kills. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's definitely, to me, puts you in a horror category. Because she comes in, she knocks down his projector. That's right. Yeah, she comes and the, in. And the, and the screen fades to black. Yep. And that's when he finally is like, you've taken the way from me, the only thing I love. Yeah. I've got this little corner of the world where I'm trying to watch these movies. Where he, where he wears a trench coat and boxer shorts and smokes cigarettes. <laughs> love this dude. And wears a fedora. That part accurate. Yeah, Wilson dresses like Cagney in his underwear. (laughs) Dude, this guy is so great. I want to point out that the thing I love so much about this is, like, he there's oh man, there's two different points in this movie when he goes back to the thing. He's like, I got a lot of posters in there. They're one sheets. They're original. I've heard that. Yeah. We've been at conventions and heard that. Yeah, we know these people. And then the thing is, sheets too. He's got a sixteen mil of set up in his in his bedroom man mm-hmm. he's watching because there's no vhs like that there's no you know we're we're vhs beta away from mainstream you know yeah. what i'm saying what yeah. was this 84 i think 80 80 80 so we're away from that so this kid is literally watching 16 miller prints in his house of old black and whites yeah he's one of That's the he's so one great, of the only man. people he would have known in 1980 would right. be himself who's watching movies when they dictate Mm-hmm. When they're watching movies, I right. mean, everybody at that point is either going to a theater or they're watching whatever the three channels gives them. Right. Because when he hits up Mickey Rourke with that, uh, with the question, the Casablanca question, he's like, you can't watch, you can't go to the print and you can't read the script. Yeah. And like nowadays it's like, oh man, IMDb three seconds. We're there. Yeah, bounce you your know, phone off his head. Literally. Get my money. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But they, that's the film buffs that they were, man. They're just, they're all involved in this world. Mm-hmm. And it's, we all know those people. And I think that's why I love this movie so much is because you can see elements other than just the professor of people we know in this character. Right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I'm so pumped about this. You're one. fine. Uh, and so what starts there after he kills his aunt is his killing spree mm-hmm. and who he's going after and who he's targeting. And uh, it also is the beginning of his evil laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I 
<laughs> so he starts going on this movie themed killing spree. But then he goes to the girl that he likes house. And it's they're just ripping off Psycho. Oh, I love it, dude. Which is so cool. But what I love is when she opens the curtain, he's got a pen. Yeah. And then he says, I just wanted your autograph. Because he viewed her as Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. That was bizarre. That was his Mar- Yeah, so that's another unique twist in the film is his true psychosis that's mm-hmm. occurring. He is no longer going by his name. He's only answering to um, uh, his alias. Yeah, Cagney's name from White, White Heat. Heat. He's right. only answering to that. He keeps telling people that's who he is. He's put the address up outside on the, the what was it, the street sign. He's changed the street name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he is only referring, he keeps telling people he's dating Marilyn Monroe. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a weird movie. Like, it, mm-hmm. it was not what I expected. And like I said, it's good. Yeah. Um, that part that you're talking about where they recreate this shower scene from Psycho is a, in the middle of a long string of greatness. He paints his face like Lugosi. Yeah. He goes to a night, he goes to see Night of the Living Dead in the theater. He does the, he does that scene. Then he stalks a woman, chases her, kills her, and drinks her blood. Yeah, while dressed like Bella Lugosi. Well, it's a, uh, yeah, it's an it's a whole it's an interesting of... it's an interesting release of the shackles once he's taking care of somebody yeah. that was controlling him. So he said, "Okay, that fixes that. Now I'm doing whatever I want, yeah. which includes dressing up like characters. Mm. I'm going to watch whatever I want. I'm going to be around whoever I want, and I'm not taking shit from people. And I'm going to handle it this way. Mm. And so it's an interesting kind of." just unraveling of him that you watch basically what are priorities to him Mm -hmm. in terms of, okay, now I have the freedom. What am I going to do with it? Right. And one of the first things is to paint up like Dracula and go to the movies. (laughs) Right. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You and everybody else, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you get your first apartment for the first time and you're like, I'm going to wear underwear and eat ice cream Uh all day and no one can say anything. I'm going to put these 50,000 movie posters up on the wall. Yeah. Um, his mummy scene, yeah, probably yeah, my favorite. That's pretty cool. His mummy makeup, stalking his boss to kill him, so good. Yeah, you would think between that and uh, did you ever watch Amazing Stories, the Spielberg yeah. show with the yeah. mummy on there, which was awesome? Yeah, it's like you would think between that and the old mummy movies, people would have got it figured out. Like we can keep doing more stuff. T- uh, Tales from the Dark Side, like mummies right. are cool. <laughs> they really living are. proof. Yeah, he was cool in that. That was definitely a cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many times I can say cool in five minutes. Cool. 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 Hey, cool beans, man. Cool. Hey, uh, cool. so cool. I've, cool I've thrown out some high spots here. What, what do you guys got? Um, uh, I will throw out some. Uh, a couple of things that I think are interesting about the film. Um, this is a pre- precursor to what we have become very well versed to in the news of the way uh, kind of unbalanced youth handles rejection mm-hmm. and alienation this is way ahead of its time yeah um which not to be a downer but i think it is worth noting um that at the time i mean there's obviously always been violence and crazy people but to to center a movie on a young person and how they deal with problems by seeking revenge on every single person no matter how trivial it was mm-hmm. uh with bloodshed uh is, is certainly ahead of of reality uh, you know, by about at least what 15 years before that started becoming a common thing, which, so I think that's important to mention. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I love about this film is its setting, because to me, 
uh, at the beginning of the 80s in Los Angeles is a magical time for young people with all of just the different movements that were going on there. It's just a very, especially in hindsight now, a romanticized time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, well, I was thinking of that, what was it, uh, Nightmares. There's a segment in Nightmares where Emilio Estevez is obsessed with this arcade game and getting the high score, and it takes place out in uh, early 80s Los Angeles, and I remember thinking about it at okay. the time, too, and that was one of the first things I thought with this. I was like, how great is this? Like, that's such a cool scene out there. Like, the, the punk scene was bomb, just blossoming out there. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the then you have... were killing it. <laughs> yeah, and you've got uh, yeah, Magic Johnson heading on out to town soon. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you have Hollywood and mm-hmm. and the whole idea of, of movies and and stardom out there, and so to have this young person in the pre video cassette era, as you mentioned, uh, is is special because it's just in time. This movie wouldn't have been able to have been made the same way three or four years later. Right. Um, I mean, VHS and Betamax were starting to come out, but they were not the common thing, and so it would have been more notable for him to have these movies at home and the access to it from work mm-hmm. when it was made. Uh, so I think all of those things contextually make his character uh, one that's very easy to get interested in uh, right from the jump. And I think he, I think he's a talented actor. I don't think he's really gotten a lot of shakes throughout over the years, nope. but anytime he's been in something, he's been good. Yeah. And you find yourself within five minutes caring about his character wanting to know more about him, wanting to see him work things out the right way. You hope right. things get better for him. Right. You certainly hope he doesn't come unraveled like he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think um, he's worth the price of admission alone. I think he, he was able to carry the movie. Um, I mean, you got, you know, ironically, the cameos from people who would go on to be big stars, you know, like Mickey Rourke, obviously. Right. Uh, the guy from um, Children of the Corn, Peter Horton, yeah. he pops up in there. I mean, he wasn't a massive star. Uh, but yeah, no, he carried this film. Um, he was the reason Marilyn Monroe was late, though. Peter Horton yeah. was kind of the catalyst. And I'm for... just gonna say another funny thing is I have loved Marilyn Man Mar- or Marilyn Monroe. Jesus, Marilyn Manson. Manson. <laughs> <laughs> Fade black. Uh, Marilyn Monroe since I was a little kid as well. I mean, that was just another little angle of the weird, uncanny mm-hmm. things that this kid gravitated towards. She looks like her. Tell me when in she... the dream sequences, oh. she dream sequences, looks identical. Yeah. Identical. Dude, I'm not he's just standing behind her and they're looking like in the mirrors. Oh, man. she's like, got their mannerisms yeah, and the way her lip rests on her teeth. I mean, it was wild how they found this girl that looked, mm-hmm. I mean, just like her. I mean, obviously in present day and how she is in reality, she just looks like a pretty young girl. Mm-hmm. But when she makes the effort to impersonate her, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. Manchin, any other high spots you need? Oh uh, man, dude, when he threw the cigarette in his grandmother's ashes or in the, his aunt's ashes, I was like, "That's it! Like this is whatever we had thought about this character up to that point. It was over, man." And I love that he was the appropriate amount of crazy, like the professor said. He just he brought something to that. Um, the manner at which he, um, <laughs> the manner at which he's an elitist mm-hmm. in his field. He's like, you don't know what movies were playing, you know, the day that Oswald What's funny was is, shot, is I already you know? did before he rattled it off. I can tell you what movies yeah, Oswald went and saw. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, he's just, he's that <laughs> guy. I of the marquee from that day. Yeah. It's also in that famous shot where they take, where they take him down in front. Those posters are hanging mm-hmm. in the background. But anyway, um, like, I love that about him because we know, we literally know. And that's the thing I, that kept me in this movie. We know these people. 
Yeah. We we see these people all the time. We talk to them. We interact with them. Some of them have been on the show. Like we know these people, and I think that's what kept me invested in this movie. And I think the thing I uh, I think the thing I love the most is at the end when he gets to take his bow. Yeah, yeah. That was just so like I was waiting for it. You knew it was going to happen, and he raises that arm. Boom, son. I, I love that. Did you by any chance look up to see if that was really at the Chinese theater? Yeah. That, so that was going to be my final point. I'm surprised Man's Chinese Theater let him do that. Was it, So that was the... That I was didn't check if it was really it. From I mean, what I understand, it was on the... Because it was on the roof. Yes. <clears throat> they filmed outside. Because I figured the exteriors the they wouldn't care about, but to right. let him get up on the roof and portray violence up there, I was like, this yeah. is rad. I mean, because... I mean, it's still a big deal there, but it was a way bigger deal right back then, right, for them to be up there. Um, just a couple of things I want to mention, you know, before we're wrapping up here. I like that it gets dark, but never too dark. Yeah, yeah, because it does get pretty dark at times. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it never goes too far with it. And uh, my only complaint was I didn't need the J off scene with him staring at the ceiling. Yeah. That was pretty pretty awkward and really didn't add anything to the movie. Yeah, my bad. I knew Mad Jam was gonna say he loved it. Nah, I'm good. I don't need that. That was weird. I don't need that. <laughs> no, nah, but for I agree, man. I was kind of, it almost felt like it didn't fit. Yeah. But it showed us, I, it was that one step further, their way of showing us his. Yeah. I would have rather just gone. seen yeah. him laying in bed and then pan up to the poster he's staring at and then fade to black. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Get it? I didn't, oh, need, I didn't need to oh, see that's that. That's so great. Any final thoughts on fade to black? I love this movie. It's frequently on bootleg tables at conventions. Okay. Quiet. It's worth. Oh, it's I'm worth definitely picking, picking this up next time I see it's, it. To me, it's a it's a fun uh, fun enough movie with with love for film that if like you're starting a marathon, it's fun to throw on or just you know it's 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 not too involved. It's an easy enough watch. Uh, like you said, not something you want to watch over and over again. I get that too, but yeah, I'd recommend it to anybody. Yep, very good. All right, round and third and heading home. Mad chance. In, in the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness, 1994, directed by John Carpenter. Well, the title is John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, so we should have known that. And written by Michael DeLuca, starring Sam Neill as John Trent, Julie Carmine as Linda Stiles, my favorite, David Warner as Dr. Wren, John Glover as Saperstein, Bernie Casey as Robinson, Charlton Heston as Jackson Harglow. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jurgen Pronchnow. Is it Pronchnow? I don't no know idea. how to pronounce his last name. Sure. As as the writer himself, Sutter Kane. And this was the one. I got a little ahead of myself. And there's even a cameo by Vigo the Carpathian himself, who pops <laughs> up in this movie. And yeah. when he when he popped up, I, I was like, oh, my God. I was so happy. I was like, it's Vigo. <laughs> right on, man. All right. Initial thoughts. Uh, it's my movie, so you guys go. I've seen this numerous times. I've always liked it. Yeah. Didn't change anything this viewing. I had never seen this before, mm. and it's freaking awesome. Yeah. See, I watched this when it was new. Like, oh. I remember this from the 90s, because I'll just say this real quick. This was a connecting point for me, because I would have been 12 or 13 when this came out. And I can remember thinking, okay, so this guy made these movies that I already like, and this is really good. That's interesting to me. This seems like a lifetime ago that he was making these movies. Yeah. And he's still making good movies. Ironically, in my opinion, this was his last great movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's something that stands out about this movie that's not about the movie. As yeah. I can remember at that age going, 
holy shit, this is cool. This guy made Halloween in the fog. Right. It's just... This movie is so bizarre. Yes. And I, I remember for the first... It probably took about 45 minutes before I got into it. Yeah. Like, I was watching, and I was like, this is okay. This is okay. Oh, oh. This oh, is a fun rewatch. We've too. got a we've got a ball game now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that it, it got serious, and I and I, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Mad Chan. It takes. I mean, I, I'm the same way. Like I, I'd never seen the film. Um, I've been tracking it down for a while. Uh, apparently, I couldn't get it on. I couldn't get it on video, or I couldn't get it on DVD, or I don't even know if it's on Blu-ray. I tried to get it on all my major streaming networks, and finally had to rent it off of Amazon. And I was not disappointed at all, man. I, I really like this movie. But I'm with you. It took me a few minutes to get into it. I was yeah. like, like this is the whole Sam Neill of it. And, right. And then, um, oh, what's his name? Bernie Casey, where Sam Neill and Bernie Casey are sitting at the table. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, okay, okay. You've got me. But when they hit the city, yes. that's when I was like, okay, yes. now I'm down. I'm down. Right. Let's see this. So synopsis, uh, Sam Neill. Who, by the way, is a Stone Cold stud. Oh, dude, yes. Sam Neill's a pimp. I like Sam Neill as an actor. I oh, do dude, too. I think he's a great right. actor. Uh, so Sam Neill is like a, he's not he's like a freelance detective. And so basically what he does is he explores like insurance claims mm. to see if people are lying. In or the vein of like double indemnity. Yeah. With that movie. Right. You know, and looking into insurance fraud. I'm just nodding my head. <laughs> I don't know what double indemnity <laughs> is. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, goes back to his elitist right. fucking movie attitude. Right. Made, like Fade to Black. Right. Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, Morton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. You Jay. don't know what the... Ah. So, uh... <laughs> so, Sam Neill Sam is investigating, Stoke. like that movie, Double Indemnity. <laughs> and, uh... Oh my is that the one where she can't kill him again? Because she's right, killed Because, once? yeah, she killed him the one time. Mother of God. <laughs> Ashley Judd with Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and Keeper Sutherland kills her daughter. Yes. And so, I heard not. Yeah, yeah that's, that one oh too. Yeah, 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 dude. And, like there was a spider. He came right. along. Yeah. And, shit. and um, Fade to Black. So, <laughs> uh, so Sam Neill does this this inve- yeah. investigating. And um, and he's just, a, he's just like a cool, suave character. You know what I mean? And like they're like, oh, let us hire you full time. No, I like being freelance. Well, then they find out that this horror writer is missing. Sutter Kane is his name, and people go nuts for his book. And in fact, a little too nuts for the newest book. Mm-hmm. So he goes to investigate him and this lady from the publishing company go to this little town. Yes. And long story short, they start finding out that they're in the book. And you get this weird meta sort of thing where the guy is writing the book, and as he's writing it, they're living it out, and things are changing, and they can't leave. Um, very uh once upon a time ish you know what i mean like they can't leave the right, city right. and they can't do this or that uh so it's it's a really neat movie and i'm sure we'll elaborate more about it yeah. ends but uh well highlights uh high spots well i'm out what you got oh man so the one thing so right there like i said um there's that scene where sam neil and uh bernie casey are sitting in the diner and then this man walks across the street. He has an axe in hand. He's got this uh, trench coat on. These bloodshot eyes. These 
rings around his eyes, these dark bags. He climbs over a fence even and comes up and swings the axe to bust in to get Sam Neill. And pause real quick. Okay. I hate to cut you off. No, you're but good. An important part that we have to point out is that the movie starts out with Sam Neill being drug into an insane asylum. Oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. didn't even go there. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead, go because that's started. important. Yeah. So he gets yeah, drug yeah. into this insane asylum. Someone comes to interview him and he's like, Yeah, oh, David Warner comes. Yeah. yeah David you want to know in. why I went crazy or the right, what to right. my crazy. So then he starts telling the story. Right. And right. Oh, dude, that's a, that was also it. a really great line because he sits there and he goes in. He's like, what are you doing? He says, I'm here to help you get out of here. He's like, I don't want to get out of here. Yeah. He's like, I just drew all these crosses on the wall. Like yeah. that was so great. He's, He's like, well, he man, plays that perfect. The man with the sore groin is convinced that you probably do want out of here. He's like, no, <laughs> it was a mistake. no, just a reaction. <laughs> right. So, but anyway, so that's awesome. And then, uh, we find out. So Bernie Casey represents the firm or is involved with the firm that yeah. represents Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane, we find well, out. Well, publishing house. The publishing house. Yeah. So Sutter Kane, we find out, is a writer who sells more books and is more popular than, in this world, more popular than Stephen King. That's pointed out several times. Which, Just to let you know at that point, the height of Sutter Kane. Right. And um, Which, his books have been known to cause disorientation and memory loss in people. Which... Carpenter did as a joke because he and Stephen King are friends. Right, That's why right. they kept saying he's more famous than Stephen King. Oh, and they <laughs> did that like several times, yeah. man. But that's so he gets brought in to find out the disappearance. So they Sutter Kane's been missing. So Charlton Heston sends him off with a lady named uh, Linda Stiles, played by Julie Carmen, to go look for Sutter Kane. Now, Sutter Kane's previous book was called the something of Hobbs end. What was I'm sorry. Haunting of Hobbs the end. haunting of Hobbs end. And through a series of cutting up, ripping off the covers of and cutting up the covers of all of Sutter Kane's previous books, we find a map that leads to Hobbs end. Now that's where I got a little confused. And I think that's what took me a while to get into it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, how do you find this map? Where's this map go? Who the hell would even the see this red map? lines on all the covers? Right. See, and that's, but I would have never, I can see red lines anywhere, and I wouldn't think to cut a bunch of shit yeah, up. And that's paste why it we're not in, investigating insurance. Yes, <laughs> that's why. That's why we ain't as smooth pimp as Sam Neil. <laughs> but anyway, but it, it leads to Hobbs End, where Sam Neil figures that Sutter Kane is. So we go head there, and along the way, Sam Neil and Styles uh, are having visions and delusions. Yes, and. Sam Neill keeps saying, this isn't a real place. And she keeps insisting, yes, it is. Look, there's the lady from the story. Look out that window. There's that church. Like, it's all these things that are the real story. And he keeps insisting that it's fiction. This is the glass house where people keep seeing the people pop up with snake-like arms. Yeah. Loved that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the, the strongest part about this film is uh, Carpenter letting it breathe yes. and having the courage to not do things in a conventional way with film because this is the only way it works. The thing that I think is the most interesting about it and the reason that I enjoyed it back then was that it this was at a point where King and like Clyde Barker, these guys are gods of the genre. Yeah. I mean, they're massively successful. They have these rock star followings. And so it makes it all the more interesting of going to look for this missing guy and all the intrigue in it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I like that we play on conventional ideas of with the investigative angle of tracking it down. It makes it very interesting trying to figure out what we're going to uncover, where we're headed. Are you know like is this getting into surrealism? Don't know what's really going on with that. Can I pause you real quick mm-hmm. because going into everything you're just saying and what we were talking about, Sam Neill keeps trying to disprove it because he keeps saying it's a publicity stunt. Right. 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 So, yeah. No, and I honestly, I can remember even it would have been years after this when Stephen King got hit. Mm. Remember thinking like, is this like in some horribly bad taste of to get the headlines for? It? Obviously, it wasn't. Right. Um, but no, I think that the the strong the strong suit of this film is is the courage to let it be what it is right. because it never scurries back to what's comfortable mm-hmm. for viewers and what we know as you know common themes in film this doesn't really run to at any point yeah. uh, it has the courage to be its own thing which is what makes it great i mean it's not for everybody it's it's kind of a stew at times yeah. with the way it's kind of swimming around back and forth and it's it, very confusing yeah, oh it, definitely very and um well I, you know I'll, I'll say kind of my overall in thought once we get closer to the end of it because i don't want to take the steam out of the conversation but Okay. I, I think the, the scariest parts of this movie, like you're talking about, he let it breathe. The scariest parts of this movie have nothing to do with like the main storyline at all. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the woman walking, crab walking, or oh, walking on all fours oh, with her head. Was her. That's what I'm saying. That scared the, that was scary. Which, by the, the way, little girl, the little girl who looks at it, she's like, Who takes care of it? She's like, You do. And it's mommy's day. Like that little girl was creepy, dude. There's so many creepy that like the old woman who had the dude. Handcuff! Oh my God! Like that. There uh, was so many creepy things about this movie that weren't even there. They're, they're uh, not like the. They're not like the the They didn't involve Sam Neil. They didn't even involve what he saw. It was just other shit that's going on. Styles doing the spider walk was one of the most terrifying things I've seen on film in a while. Yeah, that was so scary. And I listened to the commentary where mm. Carpenter talks about it. That's her. Oh wow! And they're just guiding her. She can't see, and she actually flips her body over. Wow! With, with the the head on. Wow! But she's interacted with us on Twitter, by the way, oh, randomly. Because cool. I wished her happy birthday a couple months ago. She was like, "Did you get this still from the film? This is awesome! Thanks so much." I was like, like "Yeah, you, yeah." You just said you just put hashtag Google it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like it says Sutter Kane behind you. What right. do you think? Um. Yeah, you're right. It is a lot of those peripheral things. Uh, I was going to say, fantastic. Oh yeah, come on, that's K and B. You know, um, so the old lady, he's Francis like, Bay. yeah, he's like, oh, that's not her because she kills her husband. You know, and we find out the husband is handcuffed to her leg. But the most important part is that she also goes on to play grandma on Happy Gilmore. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> for a warm glass to shut the hell up. You're in my world now, Grandma. You will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. Now, there's something I got to point out. I pointed out Bigo the Carpathian, but let's talk about Sutter Kane himself for a minute. That scene where he pops up at the church, just kind of walks out because the boy or the girl give walks out. Back. Right, give him back. Give him, you know, and then the door flutters and then he walks out. I was like, holy shit, is that Sutter Kane? And so, then the hounds of hell pop up behind, coming around the building, these big ass Dobermans. Here's, they were Dobermans, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's big-ass Dobermans coming around. Here's the interesting Son. thing about... Um, this is the interesting thing about Sutter Kane that I liked what he did with it because I thought of all three of these people 
And then when I got online to read about this movie, I found out that it was indeed Carpenter making him these three people. So he's already got the Stephen King aspect. Mm -hmm. He keeps saying he's more popular than King. And guess what? Where does the story take place? In an isolated little town, like right. most of Stephen King's stories. Right, like Castle Rock. Right. Yes, most like exactly, Castle Rock. And then the whole time I'm watching it and all the creatures, I'm like, this is a Lovecraft movie. Yep. This uh, is an HP Lovecraft oh, story. Oh, the big tentacles in the mouth. and yeah. Yep, and I get a line. The character's totally based on Lovecraft to the point that some of the quotes from his books are quotes from Lovecraft books. And then I thought, and this is totally some Clive Barker body horror stuff mm -hmm. going on. And, again, yeah. another major influence because this is the height of Clive Barker's fame. Yeah. Right. So it's great that it's King, Lovecraft, and Barker wrapped into one to make this town, yeah. this character, this movie. Yeah, Poe would have been too much. Had yeah. to cut it at those three. Right. I'm like, no, that's great, though. It's like, if, 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 if a raven flew in, I'm like, come on, dog, this is getting ridiculous. Dude, when the cane has that line where he where he just looks at Sam Neill and he goes, I think therefore you are right. I was like, it's just so little subtle shit like that. that You're just like, Oh man, you're not playing in your own world anymore. Son, this guy, if you didn't believe him before, he's like, I think therefore you are Yeah, uh, just little shit. The shit on the bus, little shit like that's what gets me in this yeah. movie, man. And he's the Sutter Kane, the guy playing Sutter Kane. That's a guy from Das Boot, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, Did you guys, uh, or oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And of course, beer fest yes <laughs> yes that's him but yeah, yeah. did uh did you guys recognize the paper boy when sam oh, yeah, comes to reality the dark lord of the sith baby yeah. it's darth vader shut up hayden yeah, christensen oh, i didn't even notice that yep. that's great he pulled up and i was just like a kid looks familiar so i looked it up instantly yeah. I was like, and then well it threw me off because he was actually it was decent acting there yeah and i was right. like well surely that's not hayden christensen surely it's not <laughs> i did that man that's what I told Nicole. I was like, look, it's the Dark Lord of the Sith. And she's like, cool. And I was like, hold on. Hold on on my phone. And I found it. He's like, oh, I hate that Obi-Wan. Oh. Um, so let's get back around to, so we go through all this and we find out that Sutter Kane, like we talked about, is writing the book. And things are happening according to what he's writing. But we find out because Sutter tells us, they tell me what to write. The creatures, the hell, the what? What would you call them? I, they look like succubus to me. What? What would you call them? Uh, I was going to go in the direction. They look like Lovecraft. They're very Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The point we were making, yeah, because Lovecraft never tells you. Lovecraft never fully describes his creatures. Right. Okay. It's a formless void with darkness uglier than yeah, I have ever read seen. Lovecraft, so. And tentacles, and it's, it's like very. Derivative from the ocean, yeah, and right animals from right. there. So yeah, yeah, it's very Lovecraftian, but it also ties in with something we haven't brought up yet. That like this church that Sutter Kane is in was built over some original evil, darker presence church, right? That, which is the cause of everything in with, the community, right? And they're like, some say it's still underneath, or some say they never destroyed it. Some say the church is built over top of it because it's a very much Greek Orthodox looking church, right? Built over whatever this ancient evil is. Another very Lovecraftian theme: ancient evils, always talking about ancient gods and ancient evils and things like that. Um, so yeah, those creatures, besides looking like things out of the movie Society, um, <laughs> I, I couldn't describe them. Yeah, they're just, just really, you know, limbs sticking out where limbs shouldn't be, tentacles big, sticking big, out, big teeth, and big teeth. That's why I said succubus. They're like a, 
they got the big round mouth with the teeth and shit. Yeah. But he says, they, te- they tell me what to write. Right. They tell me and I'll make it. So now I'm going to go join them. Right. And in me joining them, you have to take my manuscript back to the world. Here it is. In that part where she is reading about that dark, vast emptiness. and Oh, yeah, where she's describing it as it's happening. Oh, yeah. That's a direct Lovecraft quote. And he's looking into that vast emptiness. And this is after Sutter Kane has like ripped himself out of the story, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this is so weird. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, you know me, I usually don't get on board for shit like that. I was yeah. just so enthralled. I was like, keep going. Like, come on. I wasn't even ready. Like, when they, when we move in back into the real world, I was like, no, no, let's go back. No, come on. We're yeah. not here yet. Which I we? think is a testament to Carpenter. I yeah. mean, he always makes movies engaging. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he takes up until this one. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you on that. And then he says, if I keep going, it's going to ruin it. Yep. You know, like, <laughs> I could give you more of this weird, crazy stuff, but no, I'm done. That, that's done. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Samuel pops back into the real world. No. And he realizes basically everything's fucked. (laughs) Like the real world isn't the real world. The book is living in the book. He's living in the book. Everything's crazy. Up is down. Black is white. Well, he kept saying, he's like, nobody writes me. Like I'm real. Yeah. He kept trying to convince himself that he was a real being that this guy was Sutter Kane didn't have control of him. And it, what's so interesting was they talk about the Sutter Kane books in the beginning, but the thing I loved was Sam Neill sits around and reads five or six of them. He has them right, right. there on his coffee table. He sits around and reads five or six of these books. Well, he he immersed himself into that world already. So he, he already had his meat hooks in, in him right. before he even got there. So I thought that was interesting. It's those little like, oh, I've already got you. So now you're a part of my world. I can do whatever I want to. I thought yeah. that was neat. So he goes back to the publishing house. They did not send a person with him. No. To go investigate. She's been written out. Then he goes to try and find where this town really is. Never existed no. on any public record. And that's when he starts losing his mind. And that's basically when he gets locked up. And they say the new book gets released. And it causes a mass paranoid schizophrenic epidemic. What about those people who don't read, Professor Grizz? <laughs> what about the people who don't read? It's being made into a motion picture. <sighs> Mind blown. <laughs> that was so great because you're sitting here watching this movie in the mouth of madness they're talking about this book that was just released and then they're telling you that in the mouth of madness is coming out soon right and you're like if you yeah, have that, like, you get that like, moment uh, peter griffin anytime he's at the movies and they throw the name into the movie and then he won't quit announcing it to the crowd oh <laughs> in the mouth of madness that's what i was like first time i watched this i was sitting on my couch and i was like oh god yeah, it begins for you now. I'm in the mouth of madness. <laughs> and that's what I did. No, I did that. It was so enthralling. Cause it was like, <laughs> he was like, I hope so. The movie will and be see, out next month. And I'm like, I think that's the little nugget of this film that doesn't click for everyone. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, I'm man. glad it did for all of us. But yeah. I mean, there's that great moment when you kind of, the name is regurgitated and then it makes you immediately start applying. It's like, well, I'm, 
I'm sitting here watching this. I mean, that, what you guys are saying is yeah, great yeah. because I know exactly what you mean. Oh, man, it was so – it had that moment for you. And then uh, we cut back to old Sam Neill in the in the insane asylum. And at this point, David Warner has had enough. David Warner's like, I got to get out of here. And there's that great line where uh, he David Warner pops out and starts walking away, and old John Glover looks at him. He's like, hey – do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> and he just kind of looks at him and goes, gives him that look. Like, you don't know if he does, if he doesn't, what he believes, what he doesn't believe at this point. Like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Yeah. And then Sam Neill goes into a fit. And we see things happening. And then, oh, boy, Sam Neill walks out and there's pages everywhere. His cell has been unlocked. There's. We don't see any dead people, but the cell's been unlocked. All the cell doors. There's nobody around. He wanders into town, into a movie theater. sees the poster for In the Mouth of Madness. Not starring Sam Neill, like, but starring John Trent, Linda Stiles, all right. the people, the, right. the character names. Yeah. And he, he, the next scene is so great. He walks in with a big bucket of popcorn, sits down. And watches himself be thrown into this insane asylum and laughs. Laughs the whole and time. And I was like, oh my God, this is so fucking brilliant, man. Like, oh man. My last note was super meta ending. <laughs> my last. Yeah, I'm with you. Professor, I think. Any final thoughts? Well, yeah, now that we're at the ending, uh, it's easier for me to mention a bigger thought. Like I said, it kind of yeah. takes the steam out of things if I just yeah. blurt it out. Well, that's all the time we got, folks. Son we're of a bitch. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like over the years, this movie has, been, this has been plagued at times because people made too much out of it being confusing. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's as simple as this. And I thought this back then when I watched it, and every time I've watched it since, I feel the same way. You're watching a fictional character somehow shake loose within the story mm-hmm. and then watch him realize he's fictional. Yep. There's your movie. Oh, There's dude. so much more you can take from it, but at the core of it, that's what you're watching. Quit trying to make all of the puzzle pieces fit. You know what I mean? Like right. if you just accept it for what it is, which is a surreal trip through a story being written. And watching, like I said, a character basically shake loose from it, but they still have to stay within the confines of a story. It's awesome. It's such a cool movie. And that's why I say it's it's neat that he had the courage to not feel the need to to hand, you know, feed it to you at the end and spell everything out. And so I feel like back then and still there's some people who just they just don't feel that way. They don't like it because it's they feel like it's sloppy and it is it's kind of messy at the ending. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people to like that. Um, Me personally, I think this is the most underrated movie of the nineties for for horror. That's fair. When I I say, when I say underrated, I don't ever heard a single person talk about it. No, I I don't. I'm with you. I don't think it's by any means the best horror movie of the nineties, but the most underrated. Definitely. Well, well, no, I, I, we've specifically sat around and talked and I, I'm glad you just said that because we've sat around and talked, and I've made the statement. I was like, up until 96, there wasn't a damn thing I considered worthy of watching. I said that because it was Scream for me, because Scream brought back in that, for me, you know, I didn't dig the Relic. I didn't dig other things, other early 90s horror and things. This would have been one, bro. I'm with you, man. Like, 
if I'd have seen this, I'd I'd have a different opinion, man. I'd have probably started looking in different areas. I didn't watch. I remember this. getting this I'm on pay per view. <laughs> Of oh, nice. the cable box pay per view. This so and at that young age when you watched it, did you grasp it? Like, oh, did you... I got yeah. the idea that he was fictional. Okay, and that was enough for me to enjoy it. Okay. But I didn't get as deep and as layered as it was. Right until right. later, later in life. Cool, cool man. Cool. Right on. Um. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, dude, we need a Scream Factory release of this tomorrow. Yes. Get on this shit. Seriously, they've covered most of us. I know they've so. covered most of his catalog. I wonder why not this year. Uh, literally, man. Probably like, working on it. I, well, yeah. you probably. I mean, I'm with yeah. you, but I mean, really, like, with all the releases we get of, you know, Escape from New York, The Thing, you know, you've got all this out there. Like, this is what I want to see. I want to see more on this now. Yeah. Like, you've given me. They're even Chris, releasing. You've even given me Christine. They're you know, releasing. Like, give me this. They're releasing Elvis. Oh, dude, you that's know what, what I mean? I'm saying, So surely, like, if, if it can be done, they'll get this oh, yeah. out at some point, like, I would down, hope. I'm down. Like, they're, they're doing a lot of it. But I need the Scream Factory release of this movie, because i got to own this one. Bro. Yeah, me too. This I'm is... still going to order this now. It is on Blu-ray, though. Right on. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I just got, didn't... The copy I watched was gorgeous, so I want it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I got, awesome. Like I said, I got mine off of Amazon. So I got mine off cool. of so Amazon renting. Good, so. Yeah, a good run of it. What, what, a, what a positive... Uh, Monster Mash, what a treat. I love this. It's it's so amazing. I what like it when treat. we can all just come together like this. What a good set of movies. Yes. So mm-hmm. very good. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here, folks. Uh so good to have you with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh guys, real quick, don't forget to go to www.midwestmonsters.net for all your Midwest Monsters needs. The Instagram is Midwest Monsters. Really fun. The Midwest <laughs> yeah, Monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can check out the Facebook page and the Twitter, but Instagram is where it's happening, folks. If yeah. you want the interaction with the professor, he's he's on there 24-7. It's I love amazing. It. He's come, got come always movies. posting pic- yeah. pictures and giving shout-outs, so interact with the professor on there. Look us up anywhere, but we thank you guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we love doing this, and we love that you love listening. So, all right, well, wrapping it up, I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Adner, joined by my homeboys, uh, Matt Chan, Professor Wagstaff. Stay scary, friends. Yeah. Made it, Ma, top of the world. <laughs>